Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Insidious, The Last Key, in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. This isn't normally the kind of movie that I would review, uh, but considering it is the first film from 2018 that I have seen, I thought that that merited uh, special circumstances. So I guess I'll talk about it a little bit. We'll have to do the Fantasy Movie League update. Probably be out of here in a quick 30. Uh, so I watched Insidious chapters 2 and 3 uh, within the last week or so. Uh, just to make sure I could go see The Last Key and have some vague grip of what was supposed to happen and what had happened. And I had seen the first Insidious uh, many years ago. Um, I can, let me see. It was many years ago, October of 2016. <laughs> That's many years ago. Uh, I didn't like it. Uh, I gave the first one a 35. So, you know, not awful, but definitely not good. And then, uh, so I watched the second chapter uh, last, what would have been, Wednesday. So a week ago from when this episode comes out. I gave it a 23. So a marked uh, depression from the first film. Then I watched the third chapter and uh, saw the ratings uh, drop even further, and I gave that one a 15. I watched that one on Thursday. And I had intended to watch Insidious, The Last Key, over the weekend, but then Fantasy Movie League kind of got in the way, and it became more beneficial for me to see it during the weekdays. So I waited until Tuesday. Uh, yesterday, if you're listening to this on Thursday, um, I'm recording it on Tuesday, so it's today for me. And... It's, um, well, you know, it's, uh, it's a horror movie with a low budget, rated PG-13. Uh, it's the fourth film in the franchise that has significantly underwhelmed me and audiences uh, to this point. And I didn't, I didn't really care for it. It's, so, the premise of this movie is that Elise, played by Lynn Shay. Uh, kind of has to go back to the horrors of her past and her childhood and confront uh, this this kind of, I guess, demon entity that has been controlling and haunting the house she grew up in. And, you know, we see scenes from her past when she was a kid uh, take place at this house, and then the person living in it when she's older, when she's the age she has been, uh, in the previous Insidious movies, uh, calls her and, you know, hey, says, hey, you know, I gotta get this thing out of my house, can you come help me? And so she's kind of, at first she says no, but then she decides, okay, fine, I'll, I'll go take care of this, or try to take care of this, or see what I can do, or confront my demons, etc. So, to that end, it is... You know, it's got a, de it's got a story, there's something to it, uh, it's not meaningless, you know, it creates and establishes a narrative, and the revelation about, like, what's really going on uh, does soothe some of the early 
issues that I have with the film a little bit, not entirely, but a little bit, as far as character work and uh, writing. Um, it kind of makes those appear less terrible, but they're still pretty bad. So, I... I, you know, I say this all the time, I don't really like jump scares, I like when horror movies build up that dread, build up that terror in a different way, and there are one or two moments where that actually does happen, um, there's a particularly interesting scene when, uh, Lin Che's character, she's kind of walking around the house, and you have the two guys that work with her, uh, Specs and, uh, Angus Sampson's character, who are in their, like, van Winnebago watching the video feed from a, a small video camera that's on Lin Shay's shirt. And they see things on this video camera that Lin Shay cannot see, which is interesting because those things that they see on the camera are not played for jump scare effects. They're just things that are in the room. And then you realize you kind of, you know, you associate them as normal everyday things until you, like, you know, a second after you see them, you're like, oh, no shit, wait, that's a leg, that's a person, whatever it might be. Um, and so that that's an interesting, interesting moment, and I, I like that aspect of it. Uh, but there are some jump scares, and I, I, you know, I don't care for those. There's, jeez, <laughs> the last jump scare in the movie is particularly in poor taste, and, and I think really ridiculous and silly, but... It's, uh, yeah, it's not good. So, uh, as far as the characters go, outside of Lin Shay, you really don't have any real character work. Um, I guess Bruce Davison, who plays Lin Shay's brother, um, is okay. But, I mean, he, Bruce Davison is, is, I mean, neither good nor bad acting-wise in the movie, but the character he plays, Lin Shay's um, brother, Lisa's brother, is actually, you know, has some sort of an arc to the movie. Everyone else pretty much doesn't. Um, Lee Whannell and Angus Sampson spend the entire movie trying to um, make puns, as well as uh, hit on girls that look to be like 10, 15 years younger than them, who are Elise's nieces. So, like, I don't know, like that, and that never amounts to anything, so I don't know why that's part of the plot of the movie anyway. And I just, I think the concept of the, the, the demon entity horror creature in this movie, uh, Keys for Fingers, if you've seen the trailer, Keys for Fingers, you know, it, it's the way that's played out in like two instances, I like that idea. The problem is this movie doesn't take it anywhere. It doesn't really do anything for it. And, um... The other, the other issue is that, like, say, for example, like this thing does, it, you know, the keys on its fingers can penetrate any thing and, quote-unquote, unlock or lock said thing. So what I mean by that is um, I can turn the lock on, you know, I can push this key into, say, my computer, turn it, and my computer turns off, turn it back, and my computer turns on, that kind of thing. It's like, it basically gives you an on-off switch for anything. That's pretty cool, you know? Like, that's interesting. Let's see what that can do. 
And pretty much the only things we see it do are turn off someone's voice and turn off someone's heart. Uh, and seems to me there's no reason to turn off someone's voice if you're just going to turn off their heart because if they're not alive, why bother? And if you're just going to turn off their heart as soon as you turn off their voice, uh, you know, like what was the point of that? It seems like a wasted step. Uh, just more time for other people to discover what's happening. Uh, I don't know. They, they, interesting idea, terrible execution, no follow through, not so great. So all, all in all, at the end of the day, I gave this movie a 20. So that puts it, firstly, as a very, very, very bad movie. Secondly, uh, it is currently the third best in the Insidious franchise. Uh, so it falls between chapters two and three for me, uh, with three still being the worst movie. And uh, the last key, just a bit above that. Uh, a 20 makes it awful, uh, but it's not the worst thing ever. Um, compared to 2017, if it were a 2017 movie, there would be at least approximately 45 films worse than it from 2017. So, like, that's that's not too bad, all in all. Um, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who would love to make a movie and have it be better than at least 45 other movies that someone could see. So, you know, not... It's not the worst thing in the world. But, and here is probably the most relevant part of this movie for me. And that is the Circle of Film Awards. So, it's the first film from 2018, which means I can officially start tracking the 2018 Circle of Film Awards. And since Insidious is the only film in contention right now, it is nominated for absolutely everything it can possibly be nominated for. Picture, director... Female lead for Lynn Shay, and I'm gonna need to pull up the chart to confirm like all these names because it's I mean it's everybody right. Um, let's see here pages. All right, all right, all right. So it's best picture, Sidious, last key. Best director, Adam Robitel. Uh, best female lead performance, Lynn Shay. Best Female Supporting form Performance, nominations for Spencer Locke, Caitlin Gerard, and Tessa Ferrer. Best Male Supporting Performance for Bruce Davison, Marcus Henderson, Kirk Avisat, Acevedo, Acevedo, Angus Sampson, and Josh Stewart. So Lee Whannell doesn't even make the Best Male Supporting Performance list um, because there are so many like supporting male characters. Uh, best Screenplay, Lee Whannell. So he, he finds his right way in there. Best Score, Best Tactile Effects, Best Special Effects, and Best Scene. So I found the five my five favorite scenes um, from the movie and used them in <laughs> and put them in. Uh, so, you know, you've got... Um, I, I won't go into too much detail. I don't know how big of a spoiler these are because I don't really remember the trailer that well. But... Um, the bedroom flashback scene. This is one of the first scenes in the movie. Uh, the scene where Melissa is taken by the entity. Um, there's a scene where Lin Shay is in a tunnel. There is the video feed scene, which I mentioned already. And the 
Anna reveal. So uh, there is a moment in the movie where we see a particular scene play out from a different character's point of view, from Anna's point of view. And uh, that was interesting, I guess. So with all that tallied, Insidious, The Last Key, currently holds 20 nominations out of a total maximum of 60 that like I have at the end of the year. So obviously this isn't going to happen, but if every other nominational nomination slot was filled in except for these, and none of these were overwritten, of these 60 nominations, Insidious would have 20 or a third of them, uh, which is ridiculous because the highest number of nominations any film ever had, uh, has ever had, uh, currently going all the way back to 2011, is eight. So little absurd but it gives me a place to start from a launching off point and um, you know as i see more movies from 2018 this will easily filter out and once i get to a point where uh all 60 slots are filled probably uh, best original song might be the only category that doesn't become filled completely by the time that i publish this page on the uh circle of film website for everyone to see so yeah you know we started out the year on a down note i'm trying to think of what last year's first film was um it's probably like the bye bye man i think something like that let me see Uh, smallest smallest small the largest ah shit um Oh, wait, and then largest here. Okay, so it would have been... I don't feel at home in this... Oh, crap, it's using the wrong... Uh, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Rings, March 3rd, February 4th. This will be the first thing that's January, right? Sleepless. Sleepless was the first 2017 film I saw. That was on January 4th. 15th so we're in five days six days earlier so i saw uh the last key on the 9th so starting this year off full six days ahead of schedule from compared to last year and sleepless got a 22 so we're pretty much starting off on the same foot not much has changed uh it'll be interesting yeah, Bye Bye Man was the second movie I saw last year from 2017. It got a 16. So, great. Great stuff. Uh, so, that's that's my review of Insidious The Last Key. I didn't really like it. I don't suggest anyone go see it. But, that's where we're at. Uh, and now, let's uh, move on to the Week 6 Fantasy Movie League Cinerealists update. We sink into our seats right as they dimmed out all the lights. A technicolor world made out of music and sheen. I mean, how hard can that be? Amidst all the craziness and confusion that is happening at Fantasy Movie League at this time, uh, some things uh, have remained constant. <laughs> as it were, which uh, is um, there's a quite a significant divide between the top seven and everyone else 
in the Cinerealist Fantasy Movie League League. Uh, this week, the top seven all finished in the top seven on the week, with Rybone, Shaubin, Rahman, and Director's Cut all nabbing the best Cineplex out of our league, but none of them having, they did not have the perfect Cineplex. Their Cineplex was three Insidious, three Darkest Hour, Shape of Water, and Wonder. The perfect Cineplex was three Insidious and four Darkest Hour. Uh, coming in just behind them in fifth place are Plexi, myself, and Kiel Music, who played Jumanji, Insidious, and six Darkest Hour. And then Perksplex rounded out the list with two Jumanji and five Darkest Hour. So Darkest Hour was BP, and Insidious came in way above expectations, but did not steal BP away from Darkest Hour. Uh, so all that being told, you know, the top seven Perksplex like lost six mil off of the leaders, but most of the differences are negligible. The only change was Plexi jumped above Perksplex by about one million, one and a half million dollars, and everybody else stayed the same. Uh, the gaps amidst the top 100 range from the $9.5 million that separates Shawbin and Rybone from first, for, at first and second to uh, the $78 million that separates Shawbin and myself, first and sixth, to the $80 million that separates Shawbin and Perksplex, first and seventh. Uh, you can check out all, most of this stuff on the spreadsheet as well, looking at it right now. And, ooh, that's a mistake. What should that be? Oh, wait, how did I? Da, 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 da. No, week seven, week six, um, 4, 15, 4, 70. Oh, Shaubin gaining an extra dollar that he shouldn't have because it appears Rybone won the week. So I just wanna make sure I give him that credit. And, oops, that's the wrong color. There we go. And reset. All right, so Rybone won the week uh, with the lock time. That is his second win. He, he is the first person to win two weeks uh, this year, this season, uh, which I think I incorrectly put in my Stat update. I'll have to make sure I remind remind myself to fix that. Uh, Shawbin is still in the lead. He has been in the lead for three weeks now, and it is his 21st week total that he has led this league, uh, which is continues to extend the record in that department. Uh, he had moved up to a 95.82% of the perfect season for this season, which is incredible. And... Uh, mad props to him uh, he has done pretty fantastically this season and you know out, I mean outside of really week one uh, you know he has two perfect cineplexes near misses in weeks five and six week two also a near miss so uh, not not much quarter given uh, but Rybone, Raman, Kill Music all above 90% as well and so you know it's not surprisingly 95.82% is not a runaway lead as you might have expected it to be given the fact that no one has ever finished above 92% in a whole season and uh, we're uh, you know almost halfway through this season and 95.82 uh, is looking real good so 
As far as BPs go, uh, Director's Cut still holds a narrow lead there with 26. Uh, Plexi, Perksplex, and Shawbin all with 24. Um, you may have noticed that the leaders pl- got three credits for BP, whereas uh, Plexi, Kiel Music both got six credits. Um, Perksplex got five. So, you know, despite having smaller box office numbers, they did have more BPs uh, in that statistic. Uh, no one is at thir- thir- a third perfect cineplex for the season. Uh, and we've gone two weeks now without anyone hitting a perfect cineplex. Uh, I go into some detail about when the last time that was. Uh, so it was weeks 10 and 11 last season. But in order to find the last time we missed three weeks in a row, you would have to go all the way back to weeks 2, 3, and 4 in the summer season this past year. And... Uh, We'll see if we can avoid that. Uh, week 7, a lot of new movies. It looks like there's going to be a lot of variety based on what I've heard so far. You know, we've got The Post expanding big. We've got Paddington 2, Proud Mary, and The Commuter all coming out. Best of the rest is in play, and it's a four-day weekend. Uh, so much is at stake and could happen. You know, it depends how big you want to swing. Um, and it also depends on how savvy you are at managing the uh, analyzers and solvers that are out there because we don't have the Fantasy Movie League nerds analyzer anymore, which was the simplest and easiest of the ones that I've found and used. Um, I'm I'm not using any of the ones that have been popping up in the chatter. I made my own in Excel, and uh, I like kind of having my own data to mess with now. It's, it's you know, it's, it's um, liberating. And... Uh, I've been personally bouncing around between a couple of different things. Um, most notably, I'm looking at things like, um, like the commuter, trying to making sure I track that, see how that's performing. That Thursday number is going to be very important. Uh, the post, same thing with the post. I think the post has the opportunity to break out here too, given all the awards buzz it's been receiving. I wouldn't sleep on Greatest Showman either. Um, check, I'm tracking its dailies and uh, then I think Jumanji could have a good chance to hold here as well over the weekend and I know a lot of people early on were looking at a 7 Last Jedi lineup which I think is my Monday night lineup in the Monday night competition uh, I think it's got a good floor but like we think that about Last Jedi every week and it always comes in lower than we expect it to so I don't know. It finally seems like it's priced to be at least in contention, but it doesn't mean it's still priced to be playable. So still working that out. Uh, But those are kind of my, I think it's mostly an anchor battle right now. Um, As far as, like, I think the BP is the anchor at the moment, Uh, barring some sort of huge theater count bump for something like Lady Bird or Itania. Uh, Maybe we'll see a BP come from the bottom part of the rank. Um, also keeping my eyes on Ferdinand, even though Paddington 2 is coming out, uh, Ferdinand, you know, it's a four day weekend, kids are out on Monday, so I would not stray too far from that, uh, especially as your low end filler, for sure. Low end filler, Ferdinand, probably good value. But that's where I'm working on, that's what's got me thinking um it's only tuesday night right now so like there's so much more to learn i'm curious like monday's numbers weren't particularly revealing 
hopefully Tuesdays will be a bit more so, but you never know with with the box office and it's constantly changing. It is a living, breathing animal. And that is what we're working on. That is the Fantasy Movie League update. Check back here next week to see if we have anybody new at the top, if we did manage to break the drought of perfect cineplexes and uh, see how things fared and see what's coming up for week eight at that point. Shoo. Feels like the season just started and we're already halfway through it. Uh, so that's going to be it for today's episode. Uh, I told you, it's a clippy one. Uh, not even going to be 30 minutes. So I just, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to check out Circle of Film Awards, scavenger hunt stuff, top 10 actors, episodes, any of that sort of thing, head over to circleoffilm.com. Find a lot of information over there. If you want to get in touch with me, contact me at any way you want to do that. You can either use my email, circleoffilm at gmail.com. Uh, you know, that's probably the best way to do it. But uh, if you are a Twitter savvy, uh, you can also find me at Circle of Film on Twitter, which is another way to get in touch with me about anything and everything. Uh, you can follow me. I generally tweet about the movies I watch. That's like half my tweets. And the rest of them, and the majority of the rest of them are like Circle of Film Awards information. Um, I don't know. It's it's not it's not that it's not that lively, but it's something. I don't know. But anyway, I'll respond there. I'm happy to talk about whatever. And uh, finally, if you would like to contribute and support the show in a monetary fashion, you can do so at Patreon.com/CircleOfFilm. Um, we appreciate any and all contributions, um, but first and foremost is your listenership. And as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same goodnight. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be the same adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, I'll be the same. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.